Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, Ben Gulker and I talk about your 12 and 34 Detroit Pistons. Ben and I discussed Hamadou Diallo's huge impact on the team playing small, Nerlens Noel staying ready so I didn't have to get ready, me getting myself in trouble tweeting about Jaden Ivey, and how Killian is going to play in Paris. We hope he scores 40. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how's it going? Hey, Laz, doing good. Sun shining in Michigan, giving us a break from the winter. Happy to be happy to be here. Happy to be talking with you. How are you doing, Laz? I'm doing good. It is blisteringly cold here for north carolina it's like 40 degrees so. <laughs> i know i know right i know but uh but the pistons have uh, also been uh blisteringly Ooh, cold lately segue yeah uh, so since the last time we talked there was the two back-to-back just awful awful losses to philadelphia the big win against minnesota in a game in which like they ruled anthony edwards out for the game and then he came back in the third quarter because they needed him and they still lost by 20 that was uh was very gratifying and then a very close, uh, very uh, competitive loss to one of the better teams in the Western Conference, the New Orleans Pelicans. So an up and down week, but overall, like anytime, any week you get a win as a Pistons fan seems pretty good. But the story of this week, Ben, obviously is the injuries. Now with uh, Stewart was out with a shoulder injury, I believe, and uh, Jalen Dern was out with an ankle injury. So that means they were missing all three of the bigs in their three big rotation. That was bad, and it definitely uh, altered the way that we watch the games this week, for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, we've talked about the fact that we're missing the exciting young duo. We talked about that last week. That continued this week. That's one of the main reasons we're excited to watch the Pistons. So losing those two guys, obviously, no fun. Um, but uh, there were there were some interesting interesting lineups <laughs> that Casey threw out there to deal with that. So, you know, made things at least novel, right? There was some, we we got some different ways of losing. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we can talk about that at least. Yeah. Hamadou, Hamadou Diallo as a center, apparently. Uh, Interesting. Well, it's maybe he's power forward and Kevin Knox is a center, like however you want to, you want to slice that melon. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was definitely the lineup change uh, that made watching games this week. The most interesting. Um, in the last four games, Hamadou is averaging 15.8 points, almost seven rebounds a game. He's shooting 75% from the floor. He's shooting, uh, he has zero three point attempts. So this is all like, I am going to the basket. You cannot stop me. And he's, uh, at almost two steals a game. Ben, we talk so much about Hamadou as just like an agent of chaos and an infusion of energy. And 
at a team at a time when this team like really needed that energy energy he, he really came through with it this week yeah well you know coach casey forced to do something creative he goes creative against um you know goes cr- creative against Jonas valanciunas not much he could do defensively to stop. Yeah. So he went creative offensively, right? And that that worked. The second half comeback where Tommy posed a bunch of problems defensively. Um, and look, I, I continue to be impressed by Hami. No matter how many times he ends up out of the rotation or in the doghouse, he continues to stay ready. And whenever he gets his chance, he, he does stuff, right? I, I'm impressed in this little short stint. He isn't trying to do things he's not good at, right? He's he's mm-hmm. doing the things that he is good at, which is run in transition, attack the glass, some fun dunks, right? Uh, that that windmill he got in transition obviously ignited the crowd, um, sparked the run. Pistons, I think, got within maybe four uh, against New Orleans there. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, I don't know if he sticks with the Pistons. I don't know if he necessarily fits or not, but I hope he finds his way into a rotation that can use his skill set. He can't shoot, which is a problem for for the Pistons, but he can do stuff that can help somebody. Uh, and I hope he finds his way into rotation where his skills can be put to use because he's exciting, right? I mean, he's fun to watch. He's a he's a boost off the bench, and uh, unfortunately, he just he just can't shoot. But the yeah. things he can do are are lots of fun. Yeah. I think that playing him as like the small ball center and he's only like six, six. So like, this is really like a, a small, a small ball lineup that really unlocks a lot of the spacing that makes what he does um, like possible. Um, and so like, maybe, maybe this is just like who he is now, right? We were, you're talking about how every time he enters and exits the rotation, he always manages to provide energy. Well, it's like maybe he's just a big, and we can't treat him as a guard or a forward. I like he came into the league as a shooting guard, and maybe now he's just he's just a power forward slash center. Like that's that's just the way things are because of his skill set. Um, as a screener, as a guy who can attack switches, been uh, been really interesting. There was a there was a, a basket where he got the switch onto a big and was able to just like instantly drive past him. And that's the type of thing is like, he's got so much athleticism that if you are a slow footed big, there's no way you're going to stay in front of him. And once he's passed you, there's no more like help defense. And so he's able to finish around the rim. And so I think this is more just like a positional shift in the way I'm thinking about like trying to fit Hami into the rotation. Like he's, he's no longer a wing or a guard, right? He's a big and we need to treat him accordingly. And, you know, as a big, as long as, you know, Marvin Bagley is going to be out for the next, I think, what, like four to five weeks now at this point, initial six to eight weeks. That was like two, three weeks ago. Um, it was like, yeah, maybe even when I think Isaiah Stewart is active tonight. And so um, Jalen Dern is not going to play today. But uh, like even even when those guys re-enter the rotation, if Marvin Bagley's out, like maybe Hamidi's just your backup center and like you're just going small all the time and like that's how things are going to be. Um, I don't know if you can win like that, but like you mentioned, Ben, it's, <laughs> it's fun losing like that for sure. He also, like, I found him, um, or I, I saw him sort of living around the free throw line a little bit. There, I'm thinking of this play late where Bogey caught it in the, in the corner pump faked and drove baseline and Hami was like 
around the free throw line and just dove to the basket mm-hmm. and bogey found him and he just had a thunderous dunk. Right. So like Bo- bogey drove baseline, Hami was through the line, just dove to the basket and, and bogey found him. And like Hami never would have been in that position on the court before if he was on the perimeter. Right. So finding him and putting him in interesting positions because he's in that big spot, I mean, opens mm-hmm. up maybe some of his athleticism that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were floating around the perimeter. So, yeah, I mean, interesting. And, you know, Kevin Knox with his length and shooting, I don't know. It's <laughs> Why not? I mean, if you're going to lose, you might as well have some fun, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Knox, uh, Knox is a very tall human. Uh, and it doesn't always he doesn't always play like it, but he's been kind of forced to lately, and that that has been effective uh, for sure. Uh, the other uh, rotation change because of the injuries to Stewart and Duran is the uh, reemergence of Nerlens Noel from the treadmill slash weight room slash wherever he was for the past thirty games. Um, he really impacted the Minnesota game in the third quarter. He came out; I think he had like four blocks in that quarter. And uh, just like really turn things around for the Pistons, help them like break away and get that win. But you also saw the limitations of what he offers defensively against Valanciunas, who just kind of tossed him around like a rag doll and forced Noel into like three fouls in three minutes in the second half of that Pelicans game. Um, so Ben, does this does this recent stretch of Nerlens Noel playing? make you want to keep him around as like a break class as, as a break glass in case of emergency guy, or do you think it makes him easier to trade down the line? <laughs> uh, I don't know that there is any scenario where we need to break any glass in case of emergency. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, this whole so, season's an emergency. By that definition. <laughs> right. I mean, just, just cut the, uh, cut the emergency boats at this point the titanic is going down um no i mean but but credit to noel i mean he was fantastic against many blocking shots with both hands i i think what that underscored it he was he was really good in help defense but he really struggled in one-on-one defense against a bigger center right i mean and i think what that that's what that underscored i think if if you're troy weaver if you can get anything useful out of a trade if there's a team looking to shore up it's big man rotation i mean i think noel is probably your third big if you're a good team if you're looking for someone you know a body to throw six fouls against mb or something like that in the playoffs or you're looking for a guy um you know you had an injury in your front court rotation and and you just need a body who's capable of doing something he's not going to make a bunch of mistakes he's not going to go try to you know take 10 shots when you just need a guy who's not going to shoot right like you go get a future second rounder for Noel. You do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to try to keep him around, um, especially if you're going to go small with <laughs> with Hami, center Hami, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, credit to Noel though, right? He's been a pro, and he he came out and helped the Pistons win a game, right? Which was fun. So uh, yeah, but I mean, absolutely trade him if you can. Yeah, yeah. I can only think so. Like his his thing is he's really good in drop coverage. You mentioned like the six fouls fouls against Embiid. Like if if the way he played against Valanciunas is any indication, those six fouls would take place in six minutes. So like maybe that's not <laughs> as useful uh, for him looking for like an Embiid stopper. But I'm thinking of like the Milwaukee Bucks, who are just very dedicated to their core concept of playing like drop coverage. And since that's the coverage he excels in. It was like, yeah, yeah they can back up to Brooke Lopez when uh, Lopez got hurt uh, last season. Like they they 
uh, had some real depth issues. And so I was like, sure. Like why, you know, why, why couldn't they use a, a Nerlens Noel? Um, who else like plays exclusively drop? Very few teams play like exclusively one defense uh, like the Bucks do. But yeah, if, if you're a team who doesn't want to break scheme during a playoff setting because of an injury or something like that, like, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think the price on Nerlens Noel is going to be super high either. I think everyone kind of, knows around the league and in Detroit like what his value is and uh, is going to be for the foreseeable future but um, so yeah I would also expect that he is traded eventually Uh, I do think from from all the reports and stuff we've seen on the trade market like there are so many teams who are in a semi-competitive space right now that it's hard for uh, any team to be like oh it's time for us to start selling it's time for us to start like generating uh, a seller's market. It's more of a it's more of a seller's market because there's a lot a lot of buyers, um, and so I, I do think the Pistons like aren't taking advantage of the fact that like they know that they're about to lose a bunch of games, and so like they could be a, an early mover on some of these trades. But I also see like we're just like you know he, they don't have to right now. trading Nerlens Noel doesn't materially impact whether or not like where you're going to finish at the end of the year. So like do you have to do it immediately like probably not but uh you do probably want to do it uh, eventually but yeah cr- big credit to Nerlens for for staying ready for making himself uh displayable to other teams as a guy's like hey like I'm a pro like I I stayed ready like I didn't play for 30 games and when I came in I was instantly impactful and so credit for to him for that but yeah the Pistons can definitely uh move on from him and say thank you for his contributions this season all right Ben big news big news for the first time in his career, Killian Hayes is averaging double-digit points. He is now averaging exactly 10.0 points per game for the season. Uh, if he if that continued, that would be the first season in which he had averaged uh, double-digit points. As a starter, so in the last 30 games, Killian is averaging like 12 points, 3 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 2.1 turnovers, and he's shooting 43% from the floor, 37% from three. And 81% from the line, but that 81% comes with the caveat that he's shooting like one free throw a game, which is not good. Since the suspension, since he fought Mo Wagner uh, and uh, got suspended three games, he came back from that and he's been even better. He's averaging 15 and a half points, uh, 2.5 rebounds, 7.8 assists, almost eight assists per game from Killian. Three turnovers, which is higher, and his turnovers have been like a problem over the last couple of games. But he's shooting 48% from the floor, 41% from three, and 83% from the line. Again, only getting to the line once per game. So, Ben, it, it's been 30 games. Killian shows no signs of regressing or letting up. If anything, per like after the suspension, he's getting better as a player. What uh, is like I'm I'm allowed to get excited at this point, right? Like I I can I can finally just like put it aside. It's like he's gonna be here for a long time as a piston. Yeah, Laz, I think it's it's time to take the victory lap, I think, right? I mean, this was your boy in the draft, if I recall correctly, and uh, I think it's time. And look, I don't remember which broadcaster it was who said this a week ago, two weeks ago. It might have been Greg Kelser. But look, if the Pistons had drafted Killian Hayes in the summer of 2022 and he were playing like this as a rookie, the entire narrative about his career would be dramatically different, right? And he's young enough where he could be a rookie, right? I mean, we talked about Livers and Hami and their age discrepancy. Livers is a second-year guy. Hami's been in the league like four or five years. Six years, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the Pistons drafted Killian when he was extremely young. 
he had been a pro overseas for a number of years and they they when you draft guys that young you're taking a risk that their development trajectory could be all over the map and i think that's what uh, we have seen the pistons have been extremely patient and uh, it looks like it is paying off um i had the new orleans feed for the new orleans uh, pistons game this week and they were absolutely singing his praises. Killian was really good in the second half of that game, if you recall. Uh, played nicely in, in the comeback. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is real, which is exciting. Um, I, I think, you know, dare we hope, Laz, that he makes another leap like this over this summer. And, wow, what if he does, right? Like, if he makes the kind of leap that he's made this season going into next season, then, oh man. So the thing I've been floating, Laz, is like the, the Cade, Jaden, Ivy, Killian three guard lineup, right? Like if they all hit their ceiling, like you don't necessarily start that group, but maybe you close with that group. Like they all hit their ceiling or somewhere close to their ceiling. That's still super interesting to me. We haven't seen it. Obviously Cade's hurt for the rest of the year, but, uh, I still remain like super intrigued with that possibility. Um, super happy for Killian. Glad the Pistons haven't given up on him. Um, a, a redemption arc possible. And for a franchise that has given up on so many of its young guys too soon, um, th- this could be really cool to see. I'm hoping it happens. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about the what you were talking about a little earlier in terms of the improvements, right? Like there's still we have we have seen clear statistical improvements. We have seen we have seen a clear like improvement in his confidence level and what he knows his capabilities are like on a basketball court. But there's still big play big strides he can make in certain areas, right? Like we I, I mentioned the free throws. He's still averaging like one free throw a game because he very rarely like wanders inside the paint. And we saw that against against Minnesota, he was able to get to the rim and finish a little bit in a way that was uh, that was very that was very interesting. He had, of course, the uh, the dunk kind of quote unquote on Rudy Gobert. Gobert is kind of like chasing, but like you know, it's it's a highlight. We count those. Um, but he was he also had some other like nice um, hesitation finishes over over big men in that game. Um, that is probably like the next area where he needs to show like significant strides. Getting being able to get all the way to the rim and finish, uh, being able to kind of navigate that in between space um, as teams like try and uh, because he's because he's been so proficient as a mid range shooter, um, having that open up kind of the the paint as teams like feel like they have to go out and challenge him in that area. It's like that will be really big for him. And then getting fouled right. Uh, there's been mul- the Pistons as a team are uh, like I think they're what third or fourth in the league in free throw attempts. Um, a big part of that is Bogey. A big part of that is Jaden Ivey. A big part of that is Sadiq, who we're going to talk about. But uh, there have been a lot of times where the team has been in the bonus, and I'm like waiting for Killian to try and like use some tricks that like Bogey and Alec Burks taught him to like grift and get some free throws. And we haven't seen enough of that. And it's like I think getting getting easy points at the rim and from the free throw line are very clearly like the next point in his development. But because the shot has come along. You're right. Like they can play him in three guard lineups. They can play him next to Cade. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time, even if that's the area we think he's best in. And yeah, this this looks real. And now this opens up the very interesting possibility of like when it's contract extension time. And it's like okay, we're gonna 
we're going to pay you for what we think you could end up being, but also like you have a two year track record of not doing so much. So I'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall for those contract negotiations, no, uh, for those contract negotiations. Absolutely. Speaking of another guy who's up for a post rookie contract extension is Sadiq Bay. Uh, Sadiq Bay has been, just had a very weird year, a very inconsistent year, even even over this last stretch, like over his last 10 games, because of the injuries, he started seven games, but he's also come off the bench three times. He's averaging 15 and a half points. He's getting five rebounds a game, one and a half assists a game. He's up to 37% from three in that stretch, which is big. That's the thing we're always looking at with Sadiq, um, but he's only shooting 40% from the floor, which is not great. Um, he's getting to the line, though. He's shooting 89% from the line and getting to the line four and a half times a game, which is, like, again, a big part of his efficiency we talk, we've talked about earlier. Um, it feels weird that, it's like, I think Sadiq is starting to show signs of turning it around. But, Ben, it's like, wh- what does it mean that it feels like it takes Sadiq until January every year to, like, start, like, heating up? <laughs> yeah, it's like... Okay, to, to evaluate Sadiq, you have to ignore his rookie year. You kind of have to ignore the first couple months of the season, and right. then all of a sudden he looks like a stud. Like, what, is that? what does that mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know who Sadiq Bey is yet, right? Like, I'm kind of starting to feel like, is he the Marcus Morris kind of, like, bully ball mid-post come off the bench slash fringe starter kind of guy. I mean, I don't, I, I, I just don't know. Like I remember as a rookie thinking, okay, Marcus Morris plus better three point shooter. And Marcus Morris at the time was kind of in my head because the Pistons had recently moved on from Marcus Morris. And if you recall, Van Gundy had signed Marcus Morris to like this really great value contract and he played mm-hmm. really well for the Pistons and then kind of, went on to be this role player for a couple different playoff teams and so on and so forth. And like, like right now, Sadiq's role has kind of just been like this bully ball, use his strength to overpower second units and get to the rim and to the free throw line. Right. And his three point shooting has just been all over the place. I, I just don't know. I mean, he's been effective, right? Like he's been a rotation caliber player. I just don't know. Like, like who he is, right? Like, I, I just, if you ask me, who is Sadiq Bey going to be by the time he turns 27 years old? And what kind of production and what kind of play are you going to expect him to give you? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Is he going to be a 38% three-point shooter or a 33% three-point shooter? I, I couldn't tell you. And I think that's important to know when you're negotiating his contract because I think I think the Pistons sort of need to know or at least have some sense of it better than I do. Cause I, cause I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. And, uh, I hopefully over the next, what, 30, 30 plus, what do we got? 30 something, 30 and change game left over the season. It would sure be nice to get a handle on it because, um, right now, I mean, I, I think Sadiq is a, is a solid NBA player, but, um, is he more than a seventh guy in a rotation? I don't know. I don't know less. I don't, I'm not sure. What do you think? I think it's been an interesting year for Sadiq. I think his role has changed a lot over the course of this season. And that helps explain some of the instability, but not all of it. Right. Uh, like in the off season, you could clearly tell, like, he's like, okay, 
I'm going to be the third guy behind Caden, Jaden, Ivy. Like I'm going to absorb a lot of possessions. They're going to use me off the bench some as the primary scorer. It's like that's how we're going to get down. And then before the season starts, like oh, like a couple weeks before the season starts, they trade for Bogdanovich, and now he's like the fourth option in the starting lineup and not really sure like where his shots are supposed to be coming from. Still doing a good job attacking the rim, still doing a good job getting through the free throw line, but not necessarily because Bogdanovich is eating up a lot of usage, not necessarily able to find the rhythm. So then he moves to the bench, right? And as as a bench guy, is like, okay, I get more touches. I get to be the focus of the offense a little bit more. Um, but the ball movement on the bench is uh, is not great at times. There's a lot of... A lot of guys in those bench lineups between like between um, between Burks and uh, and Bay himself and like sometimes Ivy is playing with the, those bench lineups. Like there's a lot of guys who are just like hunting for shots, like that's their role, and so it's hard to find that rhythm when like he is like again a guy who can create his own shot, but like for in terms of threes, like you want him, you want other guys like setting the table for him. Um, and and like 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 I just mentioned, like the the injuries to Stewart and Duran like put him back in the starting lineup, and so like now he's the now Killian's playing so well that he's like the again the kind of the third fourth option, and it, like, he's able to find a little bit of a rhythm, but it's his role has just evolved and changed so much over the course of the season. I I understand why he struggled, but to me at least, it's like the the thing he needs to be more consistent with is the three point shot. Um, I don't know. I don't know why, like every year he shoots like 27% from three for the first eight weeks. Um, I don't know if that's like a, nothing seems like off with his mechanics or anything. It just seems like it takes him a while to warm up. Reggie Bullock was the same way. If you remember, right? Like Reggie would shoot like in the low thirties for the first month and a half of the season. And it would be a kind of a disaster. But I think that, Sadiq just if he if his if his role is like very clearly delineated for him by the coaching staff by the front office by like the the rest of the roster I think that would be helpful but I think in terms of like what his like next contract is going to look like a big part of that is like which teams are interested in signing him right like which teams have uh, a good outline for for what they think he's going to be how they fit he's going to fit into uh, their rotation and be seamless. The other thing is uh, Sadiq is a trade asset, right? We have heard his name come up in trade rumors. He is uh, he's on the older side for being a young guy, but he is, st- is still a young guy. I do think there are a lot of you can. It's very easy to see like a, a clear role for Sadiq on a on a different NBA team and have him and how he would find success in that role. Um, and so it makes it makes a lot of sense for his name to be in trade rumors. I'm sure that's not comfortable for a player as well. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just been a weird a weird year for Sadiq, but I am hopeful that like as we get closer to the trade deadline, as we get past the trade deadline, and as a lot of this instability in the season kind of gets behind him, that he's able to continue to make strides. Because even even in this ten game stretch, right, he's had like a two point game and like a thirty one point game, and so he's just uh, been inconsistent from a night in night out basis. But it averages out to a a. Uh, a reasonable amount of production for a guy in his position. So yeah, that's a, that's a long way of saying, I also don't know, Ben. I also don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 
so I got myself in hot water a little bit this week. Uh, normally, I ask you what you're thinking about, but I, I wanted to talk about what I'm thinking about. I was uh, tweeting some stuff that was not too uh, not too positive about Jaden Ivey and people. A little self cancellation. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I wanted to be clear and, and like I get I have the platform right, so I get to like sit down and explain myself to the internet. It's like that's nice at least. But yeah, uh, that was that was a that was a fun afternoon. So it's like I like Jaden Ivey. We we both have talked about how we were not initially fans of Jaden Ivey, but have come around on him. Um, we've also talked last week about how he's been really bad defensively in a way that gives us concern in the short and the long term. Um, we've talked about how the the shooting was inconsistent uh, in college and has continued to be inconsistent in the NBA. On the season, he's shooting thirty two point seven percent from three. Uh, in his last 10 games, he's shooting like 37% from three in his last four games. He's shooting like 41% from three or something like that. But the attempts are way, way down. You remember we had a podcast earlier, Ben, where we were both kind of consternating about the fact that he was taking seven threes a game and how that wasn't really his game. And, and we were right. He's shooting better from three, but he's also shooting like only three threes a game, which like, I, I don't want him to do things he's not good at. But it's like if you're only if you can't be a guy who uh, puts up a lot of threes, it's going to be really, really difficult to be efficient in in today's NBA. Um, And so it's I don't know, it's Jaden Ivey has been uh, not as good as I hoped he would be and about as good as I expected him to be, honestly, this season with the caveat that, like, I didn't think he'd be this bad defensively. I don't think it's a stretch to say Killian has outplayed him for a big chunk of the season, which is not something I expected coming into the year. I don't think it's a stretch to say that he would not be like first team all rookie if they close the ballots today, which obviously they don't. They have 30 more games or whatever to play. Um, But I I do think there have been better guards and just like better forwards. and they don't do the rookie teams like the all NBA teams where you have to have like a guard forward and a center. They just do like the best five guys. And so I, I don't think he's been one of the best five rookies. And like that's that's OK, though, because I believe in the long term uh, positioning with Jaden Ivey. But I also think it's just like there's a really good guard at the top of this year's draft class. Right. And so if the if the Pistons manage to find themselves in position to draft a Scoot Henderson, it's like, well, now, like. Killian's played so well and Kate is the is like literally the franchise and you just drafted this guy number two overall so it's like what so what, what does that mean for Jaden Ivey I, I just I don't think there's uh I think Jaden Ivey is expendable in a way that some of the other guys on the team aren't just because of the just because of the way his position is and because of the way he's played and I think because he has a higher value than a guy like Killian around the league um, he's not the franchise in the way that Kate is. And like, that makes him tradable. Like if you, if I'm Troy Weaver and I go to Tom Gores and I'm like, I think this, this Jade Ivy trade could make our team better. This is, this is the plan. I'm, and I'm Tom Gores. I'm like, okay, like let's, let's listen. But if I'm Troy Weaver and I go to Tom Gores and like, I think this Kate Cunningham trade is like really going to make our team better. If I'm Tom Gores, I'm like, what? Like, you no, know, this guy was the number one overall pick. Like this guy sells all of our tickets. This guy's like the hope of our future. Like you can't trade him. And so that's what I mean by like Jaden Ivey being a little bit more expendable, but yeah, I don't know. I, like, am I crazy, Ben? Like, we like we we've talked about Jaden Ivey a lot on this podcast, and I feel like we we echo each other a little bit, but also like I don't am, am I going too far? Like, is 
is Jaden Ivey's uh, has Jaden Ivey like been an all rookie guy for you this season? Like what, where, where are you at with Jaden? Um, <clears throat> Jaden Ivey is tantalizing as a slashing scorer, right? I mean, he has the tools athletically that are uncoachable. And when you're drafting, I, I was thinking about, I'm going to talk about bogey in a, in a couple minutes because mm-hmm. I, that that's going to be what's on my mind this week. I was thinking about Weaver's draft history, right? And I was thinking about some of the second drafts that, that, Weaver has taken, right? Some of those free agency signings where you're just kind of taking a flyer on a guy who hasn't necessarily played well and you're going to take a second draft. Weaver is, I think, also tantalized by athleticism and length and all of that stuff that you can't coach, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I get it, right? Because you you have to take you have to take some shots because if you're this bad for this many years and you are Troy Weaver, you come into a, a team like that, you have to get lucky in some way, shape, or form, right? Like one of these, you're, you're, some of these shots that you take are going to miss, like the Josh Jacksons or whatever. Like some of these guys aren't going to work out, but you have to take enough of them that you hope one of them is going to hit. And, and I think in some ways, Jade and Ivy, there's, there's some risk-reward here. Like the, the risk is that his shot doesn't come to fruition or defensively, you know, he doesn't quite develop in the way that you want him to, or he doesn't ever quite figure out, um, you know, how to get himself out of trouble uh, off the dribble, right? Like I'm thinking of the New Orleans game, uh, like two different times in the second half, he just dribbled himself into no man's land and just lost, like just literally just dribbled the ball mm-hmm. away, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't get it stolen, just dribbled the ball away. That kind of stuff you hope that by the time he's 25 years old, he's not doing that anymore, but that's no guarantee, right? Like there are countless NBA players like Jaden Ivey who don't figure that out. Right. And that's the hard thing for guys like us who are fanalists, right? When you're, when you're a fan and you're talking to other fans, like it's easy to keep the blinders on because we evaluate Jaden Ivey as a piston and we, when we're doing analysis, we want to try to take the blinders off and evaluate Jaden Ivey as a basketball player, not as a piston. And like, that's what I've tried to do with Cade Cunningham. And I've been probably the most critical of Cade Cunningham as any other fanalist out there. And with Jaden Ivey, I think that's kind of what you're trying to do right now. And I, I agree with you. Like Jaden Ivey started the season, I think really, really solid. And then since Cade has gone down and he's had to do more, especially with the ball in his hands, like his weaknesses have really been exposed. And um, I think you're pointing that out. And I think it's completely fair to point that out. You know, like I think some of the graphics that get flashed on TV probably overstate how effectively he is. Like he's, I think, third in points, first in assists, second in minutes or something like that. So that looks really good on paper. But, you know, you like you look at his shooting percentages, you look at where he's at defensively, you look at how, you know, how many times a game does he get into the paint and then just jump in the air with absolutely no idea what to do with the basketball. He did that, um, he did that late in the new Orleans game and then didn't get back in transition. Exactly. He, and I want to find a stat that tracks how many times does a guy fall? Cause like, I swear Jaden Ivy just falls like defense and offense. Like he just falls. And it's like, dude, you're, you're taking yourself completely out of the play. 
Um, he gambles a lot defensively for no good reason. Um, he he miss he rotates the wrong direction. So this happened a number of times against New Orleans, where he should have rotated down to the paint because they were doubling Jonas uh, so much. Mm-hmm. He rotated high to try to protect the three instead of rotating low protect to protect the rim. So the, they gave up uh, a number of uh, baseline dunks. So yes, I mean his game is full of holes. Um, so I think you're right. Um, I don't think he has been a net positive. I think on the podcast too, Laz, I think one of the things, I don't know that it's a stated goal of ours, but how much would our podcast suck if all we did was just <laughs> talk? I mean, they're the worst team in basketball. If we came in here and we just, just talked about how good they were. About, yeah, like they're the worst team in basketball. And we just grill them every week. I mean, we wouldn't have any fun. No one would want to listen. But yeah, I mean, Jaden Ivey has not been good. He's been a very promising rookie guard who has played very much like a rookie guard over the last, Mm -hmm. what, 25 games. And Mm -hmm. you're right to point it out. And I think when, when he plays good, when he does fun stuff, when he, he gets the exciting dunks, like we can praise him, but you know, every few weeks it's fair to say, yeah, like he was really bad against New Orleans. And if Jaden Ivey hadn't been really bad against New Orleans, the Pistons could have won the game. There's no question about it. Like if I think if Alec Burks had played, more and a little bit better against mm-hmm. New Orleans in the fourth quarter, the Pistons probably could have won. I mean, he, he was just, he was really bad. And uh, there are a number of games this season where Casey yanked Ivy, right? And the Pistons were better as a result. I think against New Orleans, he went with Ivy, gave him the chance to sink or swim and made a couple good plays, but made several really bad ones. Um, and and I, I was okay with it. You, you give him the chance to get some of those minutes instead of Burks. And, you know, hopefully a year from that, a year from now that pays off, but it, it didn't this week. And uh, I agree with you completely. His, his weaknesses have become apparent since Cade went down. I think Cade was really masking some of those uh, by handling the ball so much. Killian, I think, masks some of those when he has the ball, but not um, not to the same degree. I, you know, I think long-term with Jaden Ivey, coaching is going to be really important. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with, with coaching in terms of Jaden Ivey's development, but dribbling the ball into no man's land, leaving his feet for no reason, developing his shooting and then figuring out, you know, like, how are you going to be a solid team defender? That's a whole lot mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's got to get better. Mm-hmm. And, just being effective, just being an effective slashing, scoring in transition sort of shooting guard is not nearly enough to overcome all of those weaknesses, right? He's going to have to get a lot better at those things to be a net positive. And right now he's just not. I think the, like the lens of your Cade critiques is like a really good clarifying factor for me because it's like we, when we've talked about Cade's struggles, it's not under like, oh, we think Cade is going to be terrible or like, oh, we're hoping like the, the number one overall pick doesn't work out. It's more just like if we think Cade, if it's like it would be nice if we like we think Cade is a superstar. It's like it would be nice if he played like one and not like an inefficient, uh, like high usage, like point guard like he was uh, earlier this season. And with Jaden, it's like, OK, we, th- we also think Jaden has a lot of star potential. 
But like, it would be nice if he played with a higher level of basketball feel. It would be nice if he didn't dribble himself into no man's land, right? We we see some process improvements, right? He's developing a mid-range shot that uh, you can very clearly see like that the, that's a big focus area for him. I, I like that. Uh, I don't necessarily like love it when it's like uh, one, what's it? Like nobody else touches the ball. Like he just like brings it up and like dribbles into a mid-range shot. Don't love that. But like that's going to happen with a 21-year-old guard or a 20-year-old guard. Um, but yeah, like he was like, we, we can say like he hasn't been a superstar yet without saying that like he's never it's never going to happen and we need to like cast him on the fire immediately and just like cast him out like he's he's he like he hasn't been great but he like we still have a lot of faith in him and his athletic ability and his ability to just do things that nobody else in the pistons is able to do physically right like you the stuff you can't teach to go back to your your troy weaver part just like okay let's let's fill his head with all the stuff that you can teach and coaching is going to be a really big part of that and uh, we're going to have to have a long offseason conversation about what uh, what type of coaching is going to be good for the Pistons by the time they want to turn this thing around. Uh, but yeah. All right, well, ben, and I think, too, like, like this circles back to like the Killian conversation, right? Yeah. Like because Killian is a guy who has clearly made pretty dramatic progress over the course of his two and a half NBA season. So um Jaden's going to have yeah, a chance to improve those things, team, right? Like in terms of coaching, yeah. Yeah. So, it it J- Jaden's got dramatically more and different physical tools than Killian, so there's no reason why he can't improve some of this stuff. So, that, and it's not that he has to improve all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what is the one thing or he's going to improve. Not even this all thing. of it at once, right? Correct. Like we, correct. He needs to get better at in all of these areas, but it doesn't have to happen like next season. Exactly. He needs to be like a plus in all these places. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Ben. Uh, what did you? Uh, what, what have you been on your mind? What you've been thinking about when it comes to Boyan Bogdanovich? Yeah. So I mean, lots of trade buzz about Boyan. So I just wanted to take a moment. I did this a few weeks ago. I I gave a shout out to to Boyan and Burks, but I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate the season that Boyan is having at 33 years old, pushing 34. He's having, I think, the best offensive season of his career, which is pretty incredible for a 33 year old in this situation. This is, I think, arguably the biggest role he's ever played at any point in his career. He's taking more shots a game than he ever has. This is also true per 100 possessions, so pace adjusted. And he's scoring the ball more efficiently in the biggest role he's ever played uh, than he ever has. So you'll often hear stat heads like me talk about the relationship between role and efficiency. And so often you'll hear guys say if, if a guy's playing a bigger role, you can expect efficiency to drop. And that, and that's a pretty common thing that you see. What's amazing about Boyan is this year, he's got the biggest role he's ever played, but he's also more efficient than he's ever been. So all of his shooting numbers are better than they've ever been. His field goal percentage is higher than it's ever been. His true shooting percentage is higher than it's ever been. And then what's also incredible is his assist rate is higher than it's ever been. So by no means is bogey like this dynamic playmaker, right? Like it's his history is only like 14% or something, but that's, that's something right for a guy who's never been a playmaker uh, to be posting the highest assist rate of his career uh, at, at 33 years old is pretty remarkable. And also free throw rate, like bogey's getting at 33 years old, getting to the free throw line 
more than he has ever done throughout his career. Defensively, we'll just pretend that defense is not part of basketball for the sake of this conversation. And, and just appreciate, we'll just appreciate the offense. He's having, I think, uh, just, just a fantastic offensive season. And I think on a lot of nights, he's been, you know, the only bright spot. Let's put it that way. And I think remarkably consistent. You just night in and night out. He's had a handful of duds, but night in and night out, he finds a way to put the ball in the basket. And, and let's be real. If he were not a Detroit Piston this season, what in the world would their record be last? I mean, they've got, they've got 12. Would, would they have six? Would they have eight? I mean, it, I'd have it, to. I'd have it, to look at Kelly Olynyk's numbers, but uh, yeah, it, oof, it's probably not great. It would be it would be scary. So, um, yeah, I just want to take a moment, appreciate Bogey. If he is not a Piston by the next time we record, which could happen, right? Like any given week between now and the trade deadline on February nine. Uh, look, I, I I don't often get sentimental about thirty three year old Pistons who are just here for a short time, <laughs> but I've become a Bogey fan. He's won me over. Um, so shout out to Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, really fantastic and, and fun season this year for Detroit. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the cold-hearted uh, evaluator role. Ben, if the 33-year-old going on 34-year-old uh, wing player is having a career offensive season, that means you should trade him now before he turns 34 and like is not having a career off se- offensive season, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you absolutely should. I mean, that, there's absolutely yeah, – yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason to keep it. It's just, it's just a matter of package. And yep. from, from all reports we've seen, the Pistons are asking for a haul for Bogdanovich, which, again, they should. It is a seller's market. Um, and if they did trade him, like, whoo, you are right. I don't know how many more games they would win this season. But, uh, but yeah, 33-year-old career years is, is, a, is a little scary from, uh, like, I would like to make the play-in tournament or, like, I would like to be competitive, like, in the next, like, three years, right? Like, it's going to be hard to rely on many more years like this from Boyan in a, in a meaningful way. But... Appreciate him while he's here. Absolutely. You're right. He's just been he's been the metronome this year for this team. It's just like the one thing you could count on night in, night out to to be productive, to be efficient, to uh to keep the team in games offensively. Absolutely. He's been he's been great. And I know I personally am uh guilty of not including him enough in this podcast just because like I'm not taking his greatness for granted but because like the the narrative about the other young guys is such more so much more interesting than like the fact that Boyan is like putting up 26 a night on like in a pretty good efficiency every single night sorry but yeah no I I appreciate you taking the time to to shout out Boyan on these multiple occasions Ben because lord knows we need somebody too <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about too like I, I was talking about Troy Weaver's drafting. If if Boyan were were nineteen years old, would Troy Weaver draft him? Probably not. Right? He doesn't have if he doesn't have any of the Troy Weaver traits. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you could think of Sadiq as like kind of a Boyan, maybe yeah, perhaps maybe. Gra- and, like grounded, mm-hmm. right? Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's a good point. All right, Ben. The Paris game is this week. That's exciting. So that, but also means it's a weird week. They play the Knicks tonight, or they play the Knicks like at one o'clock. So like basically right after we stop recording this, and then they play the Bulls in Paris on Thursday. And those are the only two games this week. So, do you think 
the do you think the travel and the lack of uh rhythm that you get in from like playing you know three games in a week basically do you think that impacts this young team or do you think it's not going to matter they're they're such a terrible team anyway that doesn't matter (laughs) if the nba is going to send anybody overseas to play it might as well be the worst and one of the youngest right let's advertise the brand with two bad teams (laughs) and for killian i mean like that that's interesting ish i guess right i'm very curious to see if he like tries to score 40 right and like if that is going to be a good thing or not yeah i mean so there's some some sub drama Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i mean I, i don't know if it's good or bad for the team but hey there's only two games I will. I am genuinely interested to see what happens for Killian. It's been there's been so much for him to overcome mentally. I hope. I hope he has a career night. That would be really fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ben. Uh, this has been a good week. It'll be a uh, a slow week of Pistons basketball. I think it's good. We get to catch up on all the other stuff that's going on. I'm sure there's other stuff going on that I need to catch up on. But uh, in the meantime, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, your thoughts, and where we can chat about uh, our beloved Detroit Pistons. Well, I'd love to see some uh, comments, feedback from listeners. DetroitBadBoys.com is the best place. Hit us up in the comments on the podcast post. Haven't been a lot lately. That's okay. The Pistons are bad. I understand. Yeah. People, not it's, a lot. It's mid-January. Not, not a lot to say. Yeah. How awkward would it be if someone gets traded while the team is overseas, though? Like you gotta, you gotta travel back. Ooh, I just Ooh, thought about that. That could be awkward. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I've I've mostly taken a hiatus from other places online, um, unless I get myself into trouble, like like you do, Laz, every once in a while on, on Twitter. <laughs> At BR Golker on Twitter occasionally. Yeah, if if you want to watch me get in trouble with the uh, younger segments of the fan base who love themselves some Jaden Ivey, you can absolutely do that on Twitter at last chance. It's at L a Z C H a N C E. Um, it's I, I want to be in the game threads more, but it's hard for me to game thread and note take like, and watch all at the same time. I've resorted to tweeting less during the games as well, just to try and make sure I'm capturing like my, actual thoughts about this team instead of just like tweeting them out randomly but uh but yeah we i do really appreciate the conversations that we have in those podcast posts so yeah we would love to get more comments in there just to get people talking about uh our thoughts about uh what the pistons are doing this season for sure all right everyone but even if you don't comment we appreciate you listening we appreciate you downloading and and subscribing we appreciate uh you uh, bringing us to your car to work Uh, every Monday. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you all next week. See you.